All right, we're rolling. Uh, I would like to welcome back to the second episode of the BBC show. Um, I'm not wearing a mask this time. The mask mandate was just lifted at my place of education. Um, so I'm going to be breathing a little bit easier this time, which I'm sure is a blessing for everyone. You'll probably hear my P's and S's even worse than you did last time. For anyone who hated it, I actually Googled how to remove P's and S's like via editing, and it's kind of something you need to work on more so during the production process. A tip that I saw, though, was to hold the microphone. Instead of have it angled in front of your mouth, I have like actually a really, um, I have like a movable like jig microphone stand so I can put it wherever I want, and you have it off to the side, and then that way your the air from your P's and S's doesn't necessarily go directly into the mic. Both of those probably sounded really bad in the mic anyways. Uh, I really just forgot to bring my pop filter. Anyways, for the open today, I'm kind of mixing it up a little bit. Um, this is something that I recently was thinking a lot about, and I kind of wanted to dive into it a little bit. So I have an issue with people who refuse to stand up for themselves. And by that, I mean people who, when they get disrespected, they pout, and then they come at you like three hours later playing the victim card. That makes no sense to me whatsoever, why people... Just don't take care of it in the moment, you know? Like, I feel like if someone came after me, I would just say, like, hey, that's, not, like, don't say that or that's not cool. Like, I would try and shut that shit down so quickly. But there's some people who just take it, they let it stew, and they come back to you three hours later, and they're, like, crying. And they're, like, you know, I got one, you know, I'm, I've cooled down at this point, but... I swear, man, like, you know, you can't do this to me. Like, that's such a, like, you're so fucking rude. Like, you can't do that. And it's like, okay, like, where were you three hours ago? What the fuck happened then? Like, I'm I'm looking for someone to tell me if I did something wrong, I'm like a dog. Like, you got to tell me in the fucking moment, like, yo, like, you know, yo, man, you, like, you can't do that. Because otherwise, if you come at me three hours later, I'm like, where were you? So I think that I do a really good job of handling being disrespected. Now, some people might say that I'm a pussy, but I'm just, I'm at that point in my life where I'm so comfortable and so confident in who I am as a person that if someone disrespects me, it's like, okay, guy, like, what are we doing? Like, okay, like, do you just, it's one, like, I guess you just don't want to be friends or you don't want to hang out in this specific moment. Um, that would kind of be the only reaction that I would, you know, think to myself if I got disrespected now, because there's just no use in fucking like fighting with people. I'm one thing that I'm, and I'm, I'm not proud of this, but one thing that I'm really good at is fucking moving on from people. Like if I'm at a party and I'm talking to someone and they're, you know, a little bit rude or like, I just don't, I don't really, our personalities don't really vibe. I don't force it. I just realize in the moment, like, okay, this isn't working out. And I just kind of find something else to do. So if I'm in a situation where someone's like disrespecting the shit out of me and like, and it's just us two, then I'm like, okay, man, that's cool. Gotcha. And then I'm out. Um, now obviously in a work setting or a setting where I, my reputation actually matters and I need to kind of, you know, at least bump or, you know, I can't look like that in front of like other people, then yeah, I'm going to fucking go at your face. Like I'm going to say something like so bad to you that it's going to end up being worse than whatever you said to me. And that's just a fact. Like if you come after me, I'm going to go for the throat. <laughs> I have absolutely zero limits. And I don't mean that to like make me sound like some badass. I mean that I mean to say that like I I just don't put up with it. And it doesn't make me like better or more macho than anyone else. It's just I've like I said, I've reached a point in my life where I know who I am, I know what my value is, 
I'm a journalist. I've read my articles. They're good. Other people have read my articles. They're good. You know, they say it's good. I'm, that's all that I need. You know, I have like, I have a best friend. I have multiple best friends. I, you know, I'm tight with my, you know, with people around me. Everyone, everyone that I care about generally likes me. I don't care. I don't, you know, and I don't mean to say that to sound like an asshole. I just mean to say that to say that, you know, that's where I'm coming from, where if someone says some shit to my face, it's like, I, I'm good. I have a lot to lean back on. Um, and, you know, I'm not trying to say that if you don't have that, then you're not allowed to be comfortable with being disrespected, but everyone needs something to cope with themselves really, or to cope with themselves in that specific moment. And that's what I use. But if you're surrounded by other people, um, then you need to, you got to stand up for yourself. If there were, if you had two choices and one was to be disrespected and then look like a coward and just kind of pout and cry and be like, I'm the victim, I'm the victim. Um, or if the other one is to flip it where you end up being the predator in that moment, why not? I mean, I know that sounds super Joe Rogan-y to say, you know, oh, you got to be the alpha predator, but at least match their energy a little bit better. Um, Cause if you just get, people will respect you more. I think that if you, if you just kind of throw it back in their face a little bit, I don't know. I just know that I handle things a certain way and I know that I'm going to make sure that my kids handle things a certain way. And it's worked out for me so far. I'm never going to be in a fight because I, I don't fucking want to be in a fight. And every fight that I've ever heard of basically ends in someone getting stabbed to death because the person you're fighting is usually some fucking crazy person. Some, you know, some guy who fucking got a new knife for his birthday and he's, he brings it everywhere he goes. And right after he stabs you with it, he's going to leave it in the dressing room at JC Penney. And, <laughs> and then he's just going to lose this like $200 knife that he got that like his grandma got for him and it's engraved. And it has like his initials in it or something. And then like you can see like the hand engraved initials next to it. And it's like one of his girlfriends that he has. And he fucking like was like, oh, I'm going to he's like, babe, like for our anniversary, like I engraved your, your initials into my special like in my special knife. And guess what? She probably fucking loves it, too. <laughs> I bet you a million dollars that whenever he carves her initials into the knife, he, she like probably breaks down into tears. But anyway, yeah, that's why I don't fight people because everyone's got a fucking like a fucking blade on them. Uh, so yeah, if I'm ever at the bars, like if someone disrespects me at the bars, you know, I do, I fucking take it. Cause I don't like, I just don't care to the point where I have to like prove to some fucking loser who's, you know, cutting me in line at the, like when I'm trying to get a drink, I don't have anything to prove to him. If he wants to dominate me at a bar, that is completely his prerogative. Guess what? I would rather get cut in line at the bar than get stabbed to death by some fucking crazy person. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up on the open, <laughs> but that is kind of just the, that's just the vibe that I'm feeling this week. I've had a lot of adversity. I've had a lot of shit happening to me this week that I don't really love. Um, so I've just been thinking a lot about people standing up for themselves. And I did have someone uh, pout and poop their pants when I allegedly disrespected them. Uh, so I can work on myself too, or I can just kind of, you know, avoid them. So I've kind of been going with the latter option recently, but you know, life happens, life changes. I might need companionship down the line. Uh, so I might, <clears throat> I might end up, you know, seeing them again and just dealing with it. Ugh, I was hoping to be a little bit smoother during this. So I didn't have to edit it too much, but my throat is fucking killing me. Anyway, I heard that warm water is actually better for your throat. Um, this water is ice fucking cold. Um, and I think that like lukewarm to warm water actually smooths or, you know, hydrates your throat a little bit better. So this is just going to be a cold water podcast. So <laughs> Hopefully by the end of it, maybe my water will warm up. But until then, my voice might be a little bit shaky. Um, and if it's just unbearable, 
And I'm, I'm sorry, I don't to tell you, just don't listen to it. I don't really care. This is more for me. This is self-therapy than it is for fucking whoever's listening. All right, so my first topic that we're going to dive into today is the idea of plasma donation centers, where you can donate plasma for free, um, but there are definitely, there's a, there's a ton of centers around where you go in to, do, like, they, they will, like, buy your plasma from you. So you can go and sell plasma for, like, 100 bucks. And people think it's, like, this big medical deal. It's not. It's so laid back. And it's, like, barely medical. They have hiring signs everywhere. And not on a single one of those signs does it say, you must have a at least an undergrad in nursing. No. You don't even have to have, like, a degree. And you're, st- like, allowed to stick needles into people. So I kind of like those vibes. I feel like I kind of fit in there a little bit more than I would in a more stuffy place. Because these people, like, there's a difference between places where they are paid really well and places where they're not. And by that, I mean, like, there's a certain stuffiness that goes into doctor's offices, for example. And that might be more so doctors having or, like, looking for prestige as opposed to pay. Um, but, like, in doctor's offices, I'm never comfortable, you know, the receptionist is always acting like I'm doing something wrong by saying I have an appointment. I go up to her, you know, I'm like, Oh, I have an appointment with Dr. at three. And she's like, okay, well, did you reserve online already? Did you like check in 24 hours ahead on the email that we sent you? And I'm like, uh, uh, I think so. Yeah. And she's like, okay, who's your insurance? Do you have your card with you? Where's your card? I don't see your card. And you're like, okay, here's my card. Fuck. But at the plasma donation center, you walk in and they're like, it's just some girl who's just sitting at the desk on her phone. And she's like, Oh, what, how, what, you know, do you need, like, how can I help you? And then you're like, I just need to, I'd be a first time donor. And she's like, okay, like, do you have like your license or anything? And like, that's what I love. Like, I need that. I think the people who are stuffy, they don't, I just don't vibe with them very well. I need someone who's a little more laid back, a little more blue collar, a little bit less, uh, a little, you know, I like wild cards, you know, and that's what you get at places like that where they're not making $500,000 a year to, harass you if you checked in online, you know? So that's the deal with plasma centers and I love them, but, and this is a big, but I got absolutely fucked in the ass at a, <laughs> at a plasma donation center today. Um, so I haven't donated plasma since before the pandemic started, not trying to brag, but I had a real job like full time for a minute there. So I was actually making the money that I needed to. So I went to this plasma center called CSL plasma or CLS plasma. One of those two doesn't really matter. And I got there, gave them all my info, and I waited for two hours in multiple spots, just filling out paperwork, just fucking doing my thing. And I get to, like, the final boss, like, the the girl who's going to, like, prick my finger and do all this stuff and then say, okay, good, your iron levels are fine, like, go back to the, you know, go wait in a, at a chair. I had been there for two hours. I get to the final boss, and she tells me that I am banned from CSL Plasma for life. Like, I have a permanent deferral on my record that says I can never donate at a CSL plasma or CLS plasma ever again. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I've always used Biomat plasma. I've always used Biomat plasma. When the fuck would I have gotten banned from CSL plasma? Like, did I give them a review or something? Like, that makes no fucking sense to me. Turns out, and as soon as she said it, I remember what happened. But it turns out that about two and a half years ago, so this would have been like, fall of my sophomore year of college, I think I went to a CSL plasma and I, they didn't ask me in person. They had me fill out this kiosk souvenir thing. And one of the questions was, have you had like, like gay sex? 
And that was, <laughs> this was like right after I had like, you know, kind of started like fooling around and stuff. And like, I was starting to actually like <laughs> do gay stuff. And so I was so excited. I, I didn't think that question meant anything. I thought it just meant like, you know, we're just curious, like, tell us about it. So, <laughs> so I fucking answered yes to like 6,000 of these questions. And it was like, have you done this? Have you done that? And I was like, oh yeah, tons of times. Like everyone, you know, everyone would tell you that I've done it tons of times. Like you can ask anyone. And it turns out that, yeah, so you can't do that. Um, 99% of donation places, even to donate blood, like if you're gay or anything like that, they, you're banned from them. Uh, it's just kind of a policy done by them. Um, I think it obviously stems from, you know what, so I'm not going to get too into that, but, uh, yeah, that was tough to remember because at the biomap place, I just straight up lied. I all those questions. It was like, you know, have you had this before, like ever before? And I was like, Oh no. I was like, you gross. It's like that TikTok. Like I didn't say, I didn't say LGBT. I said S I N. Um, so I got it. I got away with it at biomap. <coughs> So that's where I'm going to have to go next time. But it got me thinking when, you know, partially during my thinking, you know, when I was reflecting on my two hours that I wasted this afternoon sitting in a disgusting waiting area, which by the way, the waiting area, even though it is disgusting, I like it. Like I said, it fits the vibe of the place. It fits my type of people. Everyone in there is a hot mess. You know, you got people who smell bad. Like you can tell everyone is like, in there because they need the $100 for literally sticking a needle in them. They cannot think of another way to get $100 other than by literally selling their bodily fluids, which is like the most mindless way to get $100. And guess what? I'm in there. I'm right in there with them. Like <laughs> these are all the types of people that I look at them and I'm like, oh, I relate to them so much. I was like, that person has no idea what they're doing. But like, I don't either. <laughs> like that's why I'm in there. So like, I'm not looking down on anyone because they're they're all in the same they're all in there in the, for the same reason that I am. So, but anyway, that's that was a little bit off topic, but yeah. So I was reflecting on my two hours when I was waiting there, and I was like, you know, it kind of sucks that you know people that people who are gay had to be like are banned for life still, you know, because the you know what was happening a lot back in the day, um, and it's still a big issue now. But the big thing now is they test all of the blood that's donated. So it'll like when I finally got past the second, you know, the final boss at Biomap, I like was reading all of all of about like their what they do with my blood because there's nothing else to do while there's a needle in you. So I just had a bunch of reading material like that. And it says like, yeah, every single drop of your blood or plasma that you donate is going to be tested. And if you have, you know what, like we'll inform you immediately and then you'll be deferred for life or whatever. And you won't be able to donate more. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, if they test it all the time, why still ban people? People who know they have you-know-what would not donate anyways. And even if, the, or, you know, and then the few, the very, very few crazy people that would, they're going to get filtered out. Like, they test the blood. So it's like, I guess they're trying to say, like, they're trying to avoid at all costs that happening. But there's people who get you-know-what from a lot of things other than gay sex. Um, especially with the rising opioid ep epidemic, um, a lot of those cases of, you know, what are not even related to gay sex at all. Um, unless of course there was gay sex that happened to get, you know, like, you know, an opioid like heroin or a pills or something like that, you know? Uh, so that's, that can, <laughs> I, I would still contribute that to a, uh, 
opioid induced, you know what, but nonetheless, that, so that policy reminds me a lot of like mandatory minimums, which is not an expertise of mine, but it's something that is kind of weird, like, especially like drug mandatory minimums. Um, that's been like a big kind of policy mover in the news a lot recently because those stem from trying to curb, uh, cause that's what that is, the mandatory minimum at, you know, during the, you know, what phase in the, you know, late 20th century and then into the early 2000s a little bit. Um, that, that's kind of one of those policies where it's like, you know what, we just don't want to deal with it at all. Like we really want to dis like dissuade anyone who would possibly, you know, give us, you know, what, you know, plasma. Um, and so they just made it like a blanket policy, like boom, like no gays at all. That's going to eliminate an entire demographic. Um, and that remi- that's kind of, that kind of reminds me about drug mandatory minimums, which happened during the same era back in like the eighties and nineties where it's, if you have like a negligible amount of like weed or Coke or something like that, they just said, boom, minimum like 20 years. Um, Demarius Thomas, uh, one of my favorite receivers of all time from Georgia tech. And then he played for the Broncos. He was the dude who caught that infamous Tim Tebow pass in the playoffs. Um, his mother was in jail for like 15 years for having like, I think half an ounce of Coke or not Coke, sorry, of weed. Um, or something like that. It was like hardly any amount. It was hardly any at all. It'd be like, you know, for a college student, that's like two weeks, three weeks worth of weed. And she got sentenced to 20 years for having that. Um, I don't know if she was a dealer or what, but the amount of weed that she was caught with made zero sense for the time that she was served, especially nowadays where having half an ounce of weed, I think you can have that. Like, I don't think that's an issue at all. Like, I think in California and legal states, um, that's probably, like, a little bit below the amount that you can have on you. Like, I think, like, like multiple ounces is, like, the amount of weed that you're allowed to have in legal states now. Um, so she was a victim of that. And what's cool about her story, which is not the same as everyone else's story, is that she actually got pardoned by Obama, like, the day of the super, one of the, like, the 2015 Broncos Super Bowl, if I'm not tripping. I might be completely wrong about that. Or maybe it was like right before the playoffs, but she got pardoned like in time to see like Demarius Thomas play in a Super Bowl, which I think is amazing. But also think about how many people are still in jail because, you know, Obama didn't pardon them to see their kid play in the Super Bowl. Like there's so many more people who are suffering from stuff like that. And I'm suffering from stuff like that because I got banned from CSL Plasma for for life. Um, and I had to like waste two hours in a waiting room, but there's people out there, you know, who are wasting fucking 20 years in, in an even worse waiting room. Cause it's not people they're relating with by choice. It's people they are probably not relating with and they're stuck there for, you know, by no means of their own. Mandatory minimums are a horrible thing in the judicial system, but they're also a horrible thing in life. And this is where, it's a little bit philosophical because I realized that I have a mandatory minimum in my life and that is not eating oysters. I, when I was a kid, this was probably about 14 or so years ago. I'm 23 now. So this would have been when I was like eight or nine, but yeah, I mean, I fucking did the whole, I had the whole thing. Like I ate a bunch of oysters and I threw up and guess who hasn't eaten a single oyster since then? Me hand up. I have not eaten an oyster in forever and I will not ever eat an oyster ever again. 
and that's not the oyster's fault. You know, the oyster didn't do anything wrong. That was me making a conscious choice that's probably pretty unfair. And I think that, you know, I blame that on the being influenced by the judicial system about not giving people second chances. I did change my mind on wasabi. I had a horrible experience in seventh grade where I saw a big green ball next to my sh- next to my sushi one night. And I was like, oh, shit, what is that? That's probably some, like, pistachio cream or something. Like, I'll just eat it. Put the whole ball in my mouth. It was wasabi. That was probably the worst five minutes of my entire life. My entire mouth was on fire. My eyes were watering like crazy. And I had to drink, like, 16 things of water just to get my mouth to cool off. And I did not eat wasabi for a hot minute there. But now I'm fully back on wasabi just because I kind of like spicy stuff anyways. Um, but, yeah, that's basically all I got on the donation center. Um, the mandatory minimums thing was kind of off the cuff. I mean, I had some stuff written about it, but it's not, it wasn't really the main point. Just that don't plasma donation centers are a little bit, uh, they're an American treasure for sure. I'm sure that other countries have them, but they're, they're something that when I'm in there, I'm, I'm like, okay, this is America. Okay. A college campus is not America where I grew up in middle Tennessee is not, you know, Nashville suburb is not America. This is like America. These are real people. These are like, you know, not to say as a journalist, because that makes me sound like the biggest asshole in the world, but as a citizen of America, I appreciate going into a place and being like, this is what they don't tell you about, you know, on the news. Like, you watch rich people on TV, you watch rich people or whatever, like TV shows don't really talk about this. Like, Shameless is probably the only show that shows, like, exactly like what the real America is, which is just a bunch of people who are a hot fucking mess trying to make it work. <laughs> and that's what makes America so fucking awesome. Is like we don't have our nobody has their shit together at all, and it's just it's just so many people just like trying to pretend like they do, but everyone knows that everyone else doesn't have their shit together, and being able to see people who just don't even care anymore about you know putting on a brave face like they're sitting in a they're about to you know shove a needle in their arm for an hour, and then you know get paid like a hundred bucks for it, people like us we. <laughs> There's nothing more messy than doing that. And that's just, that is just me and my fellow compatriots just expressing ourselves as we have hit a point in our life where we just don't care about that anymore. So I'm not going to recommend going to one, but anyway, let's just move on to next topic. Okay. I only did 24 minutes on, uh, well, I did the open too. So I probably did about 12 and 12. So that wasn't too much time on the fucking donation center. I was—I wanted to avoid doing 30 minutes. So I intentionally did not write a ton of notes. And let's see how long I can keep this going before my voice completely goes with this cold water and among other things. But so this next topic is kind of a fun one. It's a little bit of a change up, but it's, it's a conversation that I've been having with myself for a couple of years. And I don't know if anyone else has ever had this conversation. Um, I'm trying to think about what other show besides the one I'm about to talk about. That would be kind of a good comp. Maybe Dawson's Creek in a way. Like I'm sure there's some people who are like who grew up in the late nineties, early two thousands who like watched Dawson's Creek and thought of themselves like, Oh, what would happen if I went to school with Pacey and you know, Joey and Dawson? Like would I like them? Like would I be friends with them? Or like, what if I lived in that town? Like, what would my, like how would my personality be? Like, what if I lived on a Creek like that? Um, and I'm sure like, you know, 90210 would probably be the other one. And then Gossip Girl's obvious. But there was no show that really encapsulated such a such a big world in such a s- small setting. 
I'm dropping some hints here. You probably under you, you'll probably guess what the show is, but it's it's the only show where there's one setting, yet there's thirty plus characters, and they all interact with each other. Like some are in groups for one thing, and then another people in groups for another thing, and then the group you know some people from each group form together to form another group. Everyone knows everyone. Every single episode, the plot is progressed about 500%. Like you feel like you live half of a lifetime every single episode. And that show is the iconic Degrassi Next Generation, which, (laughs) yes, there are other Degrassis. Yes, there's many Degrassis that came before it. Yes, there's many Degrassis that came after it. But Degrassi Next Generation was possibly one of the most chaotic inspiring tear jerking TV shows to ever exist all probably eight seasons they did of next generation before they moved it up a little bit. But I mean, I'm not even going to go through all of the main characters cause there's so many and I, I don't want to leave anyone out. My personal favorites are probably going to be Holly J. Um, I, I know you guys don't watch Degrassi or probably, you know, anyone who's probably listening to this hasn't watched Degrassi. Um, so, so I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and cut, kill my Degrassi character breakdowns. But let me, the general vibe of Degrassi was everyone in the schools is like fucking hooking up with everyone. There's so much drama. Like there's a death every single season, pretty much every, you know, every character is is like a messy little bitch. And I think to myself, like would I've survived in an environment like that. And this, I guess could be applicable to like all the TV shows that I mentioned before Degrassi, but in a, in a world where there's that much manufactured drama, would I thrive in it more than I do in the real world where there's still drama, but it's more rare, more spaced out. Usually you're not lucky enough to be caught in the middle of it. And let, and even when you are, you don't really get to appreciate it. But like in the shows like that, I'm try- I think it's kind of a fun thought experiment to see like what, how would I fare? Where, what would my role be? Where would I fit? Um, so you can do this with yourself at home with one, you know, another show that you can think of like that. Um, Billions would be a good one. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm fucking with you. I mean, unless that relates to you, <clears throat> but it's not, you know, it's not relatable enough, but so in Degrassi, I think that I, you know, my, I think that I would thrive, which is basically kind of where I was going with this the whole time, which is me to talk about, you know, this episode is basically me talking about how fucking messy I am. But I think that I would do better with more drama and higher stakes than I did in high school where I was just kind of boring. Not a whole lot going on. So, But anyways, so in Degrassi, there's basically three roles. There's the super popular group, which is going to consist of athletes. It's going to consist of super hot girls who are either cheerleaders or they're on the volleyball team. And they're kind of always like hanging out with the athletes. And then the thing that made Degrassi special is that the other sect of popular people was the super smart kids who ran student council. Um, this is not, this is not, that is not an accurate depiction of how like a real life high school operates uh, because real life high school, the super smart kids are not usually the, well, they're social with each other, but they don't usually dominate the culture of a high school. The people who dominate like the in-school culture, like the ones who tell everyone what to wear, blah, 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 are not usually like the brainiac kind of uh, go-getters, especially not the student government kids. Like they just wear like polo, like buttoned, buttoned, uh, 
tucked in polo shirts all day. But um, anyways, there's that group. Then there's kind of like the middle group, which is people who are like super irrelevant, but all the popular kids clubs have to have people in them. So they're kind of there. <laughs> so they're there too. Um, and then there's the, you know, kind of the outcasts, which is going to be in Degrassi world. It's the musicians. It's the goth kind of group or kind of the alternative group. And then it's also kind of the mix of the bad football players, but they're like, since they're not like star athletes, they like kind of go the other way and they're like, okay, well I'm on the football team, but like my big thing is actually like planting trees. That's what I do every single weekend. And then, you know, there's some other kind of outcast types, kind of the gamers. Those are also kind of an outcast in that show. And I'm trying to think about where I would fit. And the conclusion that I came to is I would be probably in that middle pack, which I know is kind of dumb because that's where I was in high school, like in real life high school. But I would do better in this because the people in the middle pack, they get dragged into as much drama as anyone else does. You know, they're at the club meeting where the person gets caught cheating. They're at the, they're like in the stands of the football game where the player gets caught, you know, having sex with a teacher in the press, you know, like in the press box. So like I would be able to be a part of all the drama and I can maybe like stir it up kind of from the side, like kind of, you know, try and get my, uh, get my fingers in there as much as possible, but I wouldn't have to deal with any of the repercussions of it. Like my friend wouldn't get stabbed, but like my lab partner would get stabbed or, you know, my significant other wouldn't cheat on me, but like my best friend's significant other would get, would get, you know, would cheat on them. And then I'd get to be there to like console them and like listen to them, like plot their revenge. And I'd be like, Oh my God, like you can't do that. And then like, you know, they'd say, Oh, I'm going to fucking do it. Like I'm going to like crash their car. And then, you know, you have to like talk to your other like middle pack people and be like, Hey guys, like we got a band together and like stop this. And then we get like, you know, one star athlete to join our little band. And then that's a whole episode. So I would survive much better in that situation. Uh, than I would at the head of the pack. Because if you're like, if you're one of the popular kids in one of these shows, it's just constant drama. Like, and it's not even fun drama. It's like bad drama. It's like, you know, if I was in the popular group, I would probably be the popular kid who's also like the main, not cocaine, but it'd be like a designer drug, which I know Molly's not a designer drug, but... I would essentially be the, uh, I'd be like the main, I don't know, let's just say Molly dealer in the school and I'd get busted for having a ton of Molly and I'd have like, I'd get kicked out of school for a year. And so like, I'd have kind of like a subplot where, you know, people visit me while I'm working at Home Depot and I just kind of have to like get into it, but I'm not like at school every day. So I'm not like in, you know, every scene, uh, like as coverage or anything. Um, so that wouldn't be that great. I don't think I wouldn't really vibe with that. And then if I was a goth kid, like that's a guarantee that someone's getting stabbed. Like I think Claire and Eli had like probably four best friends get murdered. Um, it might've just been JT and JT's death felt like four different best friends getting murdered at once. I mean, it hurt that bad. Um, and it also kind of ended uh, a lot of their connections to the rest of the show. It kind of ended their connection to Liberty because Liberty really went downhill after his death. Not to go too much in detail about that, but <laughs> If I was one of the outcasts, I wouldn't have my like social standing to like protect me from the drama. Um, so I wouldn't really vibe with that at all because I would definitely be the person who didn't like actually go on like a knife attack at school. But I'd like bring like a kitchen knife and like show it to people in like my class and be like, hey, you better not fucking mess with me. Like you see this two inch blade right here that my mom uses to peel apples like 
this shit's going right in your fucking foot if you, you know, cross me again. Like, I kind of go that route. And I know that that's not really kind of where I want to be. So I'm comfortable and I'm confident in my decision to be in the middle pack. Um, so I just think that's a fun exercise to do. You can do that with whatever show you like. Um, and Gossip Girl, obviously, that might be a bad one because, I mean, who doesn't want to be, you know, Blair? Like, <laughs> Blair or, you know, if you're a guy, then you probably want to be like whatever his name is, something Bass, Chuck Bass or something like that. Like, y- you want to be those people because it's like, oh, there's so much drama. Oh, my God. Well, your parents are billionaires or your parents are like 100 millionaires. Do you really care? <laughs> like, you can't have drama when your trust fund is worth more than, like, when your trust fund is an NFL team, you don't really care. And that's how it is in a lot of other shows, too. Um, 90210 is actually a little bit like that, so maybe that's not a good show. That's why Dawson's Creek is such a good fit, because their social standing isn't based on wealth. It's based on, like, kind of, like, culture and, you know, charisma, I guess. So I think Dawson's Creek is a little bit more of a fair way to compare yourself, see how you stand up. Um, I'm trying to think of what other show kind of out... Maybe like even right now would be a good fit for that. Um, I don't know. There's a couple ones. I'm sure someone. I'm sure someone at home is screaming one of the shows they're thinking of. They want me to name. Um, but you know, whatever show you're screaming at me right now that you're mad that I'm missing, uh, just do the thought experiment with yourself. Uh, so let's see here. That was okay. That was only 11 minutes on that on Degrassi. So. <laughs> I'm doing a lot better because I know that I kind of got a little bit repetitive towards the end. So our next our next segment is actually not going to be a topic that I talk about. It's going to be me talking through something that I, that happened to me kind of a while ago. But I kind of want to see what y'all think about my take on this. So about a couple months ago, back when I had money, before I was just absolutely broke, but I was in the drive-through line at McDonald's, and I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I I do the thing where I pay for the person behind me. And this is not something I do every time I go to McDonald's. Um, but if I have extra money, I'll just fucking do it just to make me feel better for the day and uh, send a little bit of karma in my direction. But so I was at McDonald's and I paid for the car behind me without even looking at it. I didn't, I don't even know what type of car. I just went up to the first window and, you know, I said, Hey, by the way, can I get the car behind me? Um, <laughs> so I get my, you know, I get my food and I drive back to my job. Guys, this car that I paid for, whips so I'm like like whips up next to me and she rolls down her window and I look over and this bitch is like flailing her arms and like pointing at me and like freaking out and I and like I told you I didn't like see the car behind me so for the first like 20 seconds this car was there I was like I was thinking to myself like who is this car like that I cut them off like that I hit them or something and just completely not notice like who you know I was just so bewildered that this car followed me in and so I roll my window down and this is, you know, it's, it's this, you know, random girl. And I, you know, she's kind of like a pick me girl a little bit. Like, well, I mean, she literally was a pick me girl because her first thing that she asked me what she was like, Oh my God, like, why did you pick me? Like, what, did, what about me? Like in, inspired you to pay for my meal? Like, Oh my God, like, that's so nice of you. Like, that's crazy. And I look over at her and I'm horrified that she followed me back to my job. And like pull, like she, how far would she have followed me is kind of one of my other questions, but she followed me back to my job and I literally look at her and I'm like, you're good. Like I did that for myself. I did not do that for you at whatsoever. Like, I'm sorry, but there's nothing special about you that made me buy your meal. I did that for me. I did that for my own personal karma reasons and just like to make me feel better about myself. And she's like, oh, okay. And she's kind of drove off and it's, 
it is <laughs> I just I just can't I just I just don't know what's going through her head when she does that. Is she thinking like, oh, this dude's trying to totally fuck me like right now? Like, he, like you know, I got a couple more minutes on my lunch break too. Like, all right, I guess I got to follow him back to his job. What was she hoping for me to say to her by following me all the way back? I mean, she was about my age, so maybe she saw that and was like, okay, like maybe he was flirting or something. But was she hoping to like pull up next to me? Like, why'd you pick me? And I go, oh, the meal was just the start of it. Like, what's your Venmo? Like, I'm going to send you $15,000. Like, I'm just going to give you free shit for the rest of your life. <laughs> like, no, I bought you fucking an $8 number three combo. And like, you know, from the looks of you, it's not your first one. Uh, I'll cut that. <laughs> but you know, it's just whatever. Um, something else that I do. And if anyone out there is trying to get into the pay it forward game, what I like to do a lot is if someone behind me has like a super sick truck, cause my car's kind of shitty. It's dirty. I don't keep, I don't really take good care of it. It has some bumps. Um, but if someone behind me has like a 2021, you know, Ford F-150 or like has a super sick Raptor and it's just got every single accessory possible. Like it has like sick headlights. It's got like rims, you know, it's like some like middle-aged guy who obviously bought it just as kind of a, kind of like a little treat for him. Like, oh, you know, I took my wife to the beach last summer. So, you know, I'm gonna do this for me. Like I need to do something for me. Like I shot really well at the golf course for like a month in a row. So I'm going to go ahead and buy myself that Raptor. I've been thinking about if that truck is behind me, even if I have no money, I am saying I am, I am paying for their meal. Not even like in a, I, I wrote down that I did that just to flex, but I, it's not even a flex. It's just kind of a, I just know that I, I know that person so well, who's driving that truck that I know, like I know for a fact that when I buy them their meal, they're going to be kind of dumbfounded by it. Um, or they'll think that I'm like a Christian or something. And I'm do I do that all the time. I, I don't know, but I think that that person will get somehow triggered by me buying them their meal. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's all I have on that. And that was just a story I wanted to tell. I kind of regret there not being a better punchline, but the girl driving me home is crazy though. You have to, I, I think you have to admit that that's a little bit, that's a little bit too much. All right. Cold water in throat, just sounding raspy as hell for no reason. I didn't talk at all today, so I don't know why my, anyway, this, this audio might just be all, all terrible and I'll have to redo this anyways. So my next topic, and we're getting toward, well, we're not really getting towards the end here. What's our time? 40-ish minutes. So I don't know what I'll tell you. I don't know what it's going to say for you guys because I'm going to cut a lot. So it'll probably be around like 37 or so for y'all now. But third topic is here is clocks. Um, super rational. They make sense. Phone's got a clock. Makes sense. You know, microwave has a clock. Makes sense. Oven has a clock. Makes sense. Laptop. You can see what time it is at all times. Time and the organization of like your day split up into the 24 hours is taken for granted by everyone. But it's insane to think that we just, it's a, it's a completely made up concept. Humans at some point were sick and tired of saying, oh yeah, when the sun is kind of over there, you know, do you want to get like, like, when can you hang out today? Oh, I can hang out when the sun's kind of over there a little bit. Or I can hang out when the sun's just coming, you know, when the sun's just showing up. And then the guy gets to his hill or wherever they go to hang out. And then he waits for until the sun is really over there before just, you know, when he thought that he meant that the sun was just kind of over there. And so he stuck around waiting for however long. Time matters. <laughs> like, 
without the organization of time, humans would, humans life would be like purposeless. How could you accomplish multiple tasks in one day when you couldn't break it up into, okay, I'm going to do this for two hours. I'm gonna do this for one hour. I'm gonna do this for three hours. Like, no, you're like, okay, I'm gonna do this until the sun's like directly up. And then I'm gonna do this until the sun's down. That's why people only had one job. That's why, you know, agriculture, which still is like just an all day time consuming thing, but that would have been a great gig. You know exactly what your hours were. Sun came up, you started doing shit. Sun went down, you stopped doing shit. There's no nine to five, you know, there's no keeping track of nine to five or whatever. Your lunch break can be as long as you want. Sun's, you know, sun's been up there for a while. It hasn't moved too much. So I probably just started this. Uh, So yeah, basically my point. (laughs) So that's my pro clock argument. I do have a con. I do have a negative. I do have a, an a not anti-clock, but I do have a bit of a pushback on time. When your day is organized into such small increments, so it's like 24 hours, you kind of lose the f- like the spontaneity of the day in a way. Think about this. Well, it would still be broken up into hours because you could half it. But think, but if you think about it, like if the day was broken up into like more ambiguous times, like if the day was broken up into like, because oh, that's exactly what it used to be, right? Like morning, mid, like morning, midday, and evening. I'm trying to think of the way that you would break it up a little, like a little more vaguely. But I wish there was a way where you could have the day broken up into thirds, right? Where you do something for a little bit. Oh, but you could still break it up even smaller than that. I, okay. So imagine that humanity never divides the day into 24 hour long segments. Imagine that we were, it was divided into like some type of group, some type of ambiguous group where you wouldn't be tracking it by the specific hour, or maybe you'd be tracking it by like the two hour mark or something or like the three hour. Let's just say it was every three hours. So seven, three hour blocks. No, it'd be more than that. It'd be eight three-hour blocks as opposed to 24 one-hour blocks. That would open up so much more opportunities for you to, ha- like, for things to happen during the day. Um, for example, you're hanging out with a friend. You don't really like the friend that much. Like, you're, you're cool with them, but, like, they, they always ask you to get lunch and you never really ask them back. Instead of, like, hanging out with them and, like, looking at your phone and being like, oh, my God, this has only been, like, 45 minutes. Like, this is fucking awful. Oh, my God. Like, you know, it hasn't even been, like, the, you know, the appropriate, like, hour and a half hang out with this person to give them the time they deserve. If it was broken into three hours, you could just stop it whenever you wanted to. Um, Like, you just say, like, if it was 9 o'clock for three hours and the only thing, you, that's what it is. You take away the fucking minutes. You take away the minutes and then the hours. Like, it's just 9 o'clock until it's not. Uh, like, and no one really gets when it's not, when it turns into 12, but it's like nine o'clock. And then at some point it just kind of becomes 12 o'clock. Maybe it's like two hours and 56 minutes or something. And then at some point it becomes, you know, four thirty. there's no three o'clock. It goes from like 12 to four thirty, And then it goes from four thirty to like eight. And then it goes from eight until six the next day. And there's no time kept in between. Like when you check your phone, it just say nine. And then like gets kind of, you know, the sun comes up a little more and they check your phone. You're like, Oh, Hey, Whoa, 12. Hey, there we go. 
if you had that, then I feel like that would make, that would leave a lot more room for everything. Cause instead of thinking to yourself, like when you're hanging out with someone you don't really like, you're thinking, okay, I got to be here for an hour and a half. After a while, you just say like, you know, if you just say, oh my gosh, like, wow, we've been hanging out for so long. Like, this is amazing. But you know, I got to go like before, you know, I got to get home before noon or whatever. And they go, yeah, it has felt like a while. And they check their phone and it says nine. It doesn't say nine fifteen. <laughs> you both just think you've been, ha- you've, you had this great conversation for an hour and a half when really, you know, it might've only been 30 minutes. So I'm very, I, I think that would be kind of interesting to do because it would just open you up to a lot more moments like that where instead of hanging out with someone and you're like, oh my God, like we've already been talking for two hours. Like, okay, like I really do need to leave. You know, I'm loving this. You just talk for like however long you want. You don't care about time. I think time is a little bit limiting. Um, it is the staple to the society, to, you know, society existing and all of our businesses and industries and everything and work hours and laws and blah, 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 blah is built around time. But I do think that the, there could be a, a change where there's some more ambiguity. Obviously, that's never going to happen. Obviously, it's just a me thing. But I, something interesting to think about. That's kind of the vibe of today's podcast is th- something to think about. Not necessarily something to do, but something to kind of think about. Moving on. <laughs> Let's see how much time that was. That was like seven minutes and it felt like two, <laughs> felt like two hours. This can be a short podcast today. Um, we're going to go ahead and do a quick Titans recap. Um, I told you guys I would get into some sports. Uh, I did do a podcast for all of a certain college's athletics, for, or uh, not athletics, but all of a certain college's football, uh, basketball teams. Um, but I'm not going to talk about that college because I got to save all my all my juicy info for the, for the podcast about that school. But I am going to talk about the Titans because I love the Titans. They're having a great year. They're currently 7-2. and two heading into this football weekend, which hopefully I'll have this pod up before the NFL game start, um, even though I don't have any single like listeners yet. So it's not even worth it to think about that. But good practice. So Derrick Henry is the, the heart and soul of the Titans. He is the only running back in the entire NFL who actually makes his team better. So on a lot of teams... You, the only way that you're really going to compete is by passing because you got to get those big chunk plays. Derrick Henry, for whatever reason, is just better at that than everyone. Like you can, even though our offensive line isn't amazing, he just kind of makes things happen. So we lost him. He's hurt. He like broke his foot or some shit. He's out for, they say 10 weeks, but I mean, what's the difference between 10 weeks and 15 weeks? Like, if I broke my, if I like broke something in my foot that had me out for 10 weeks, I'd be out for 10 months, y'all. Like, I'd be like, I would not be able to do that. I understand that he's a freak and, you know, modern medicine and whatever. What does 10 weeks actually mean? Is he going to be sore afterwards? I think he had a surgery. The Titans are still, they have the best record in the NFL. Or no, they don't. They have the second one behind the Cardinals. But they have the best record in the AFC at least. Do they have a realistic chance of winning the AFC South? And also possibly making it to the AFC Championship game. Who would be their competition and would they make it to the Super Bowl? My answer to all of those is it's too early to tell still. We're halfway through the season exactly. The Jacksonville Jaguars did get their first win. And I'm not saying they're going to win the division. I'm saying they have a chance to beat the Titans. Uh, they play the Titans, I think. I don't know when they play them next. It's, I think, four weeks from now. One, two, three. Yeah, it's four weeks from now they play the, Titan, they play the Jaguars again. And the Jaguars could be a completely different team. 
um, if they play them uh, when they play them next. So the Titans play the Saints next week, and that's going to be a wild card. They don't have a quarterback. Jameis is out for the year. They're starting either Trevor Simeon or is Sean Payton going to play Taysom Hill? I don't think so. So the Titans are probably going to win next week against the Saints. They're probably going to win against the Texans. They're going to lose against the Patriots. The Patriots are a really good team, and that's who they play next. So that's has, that has them at 2-1 and one, uh, over their next three weeks, um, which would still probably be the best record in the AFC. Um, yeah, because I don't think any other contenders are going to go on a run. The Bills are already a disaster. Uh, the Colts aren't going to do anything. They might do something. Carson Wentz is starting to heat up. The Titans have a pretty good chance of probably having the best record going into the playoffs and getting a first round bye. Um, but there's a couple of games here that I don't love. Steelers is the game that I don't love. The 49ers is a game that I don't love. Even though the 49ers are kind of ass, but they always seem to play really well against a like like unsuspecting like AFC teams. Um, and they're probably gonna be the Dolphins. So we'll see. Basically, the entire point of that segment was to say that I'm not entirely sure. And I think that was a four-minute segment. So that's the <laughs> that's the, the most of my NFL knowledge. Uh, well, it's not all of it, but it's all that I know that you guys want to hear. Um, all right, so let's, let's go ahead and cut it to some ads. Today's episode of the BBC Podcast is brought to you by Dividend Stocks. You have a lot of stocks. You're super rich. You own 10,000 shares of a company that each pays you like 50, per, like 50 cents a stock. Congratulations, you have passive income. Are you poor and you own like two of these dividend stocks? So you're getting maybe a dollar per check per quarter, a dollar per quarter. Congrats, you own dividend stocks. Hopefully the actual stock does well because your dividend is not going to pay you shit. Today's episode of the BBC show is brought to you by Smashed Avocados. You ever dream about avocados? If you can dream it, you can cream it. Smashed avocados goes on toast. So I actually already ended the show. I uh, already taped the entire episode, but I kind of want to come back because as I was like literally walking out of the studio, I kinda, this thought kind of occurred to me about tell, talking more about where I'm at right now. Uh, Cause I think that my place in life right now is an important place for anyone to be at. Um, at least someone who's been as, you know, mixed up as I have been the last couple of years. But where I'm at right now, and this is a place that I hope that other people can relate to because it's a little bit, it's not the best, but how do I even put this? I am being valid or I'm learning how to validate myself in a lot of different ways right now in ways that I didn't really realize were important to be validated in um career socially who i am with my you know who i am who i am as a person i am in a in a stage of like self-acceptance right now where there is not a single thing in the entire world that can affect me and this comes from strong friendships that i have this comes from me having a lot of early success in the industry that i've only been a part of for two months um, well, I've, I, well, uh, but I've really, you know, I've only really been, a, you know, doing what I do now, which is work regularly as a journalist. I've only been doing that for like maybe five months, four or five months. And I'm, I'm getting a lot of positive feedback and I'm confident in the stuff that I do and I'm, I'm comfortable and I'm excited about doing it. 
my, I don't know what my pyramid level would be right now, um, but I'd probably be like to the second highest level. All that I'm missing is a significant other at this point. Um, but I, I fill that role in other ways, like with myself. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, obviously I, I, I'm looking, but there's just a part of me right now that's just riding this wave of, you know, self-love and acceptance with my, with who I am. And it's something that I haven't felt in a really long time. And so I just want to talk about like how, how I got here and how I think the path would be to get here coming from a, a, a lot of different angles. So the way that I got to where I am now is I was at UTK for a long time, University of Tennessee, Knoxville. And I was always, you know, I wasn't out yet. I wasn't really, I mean, I was like friends and everyone I talked to, but I, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do and I didn't really know what like my strengths and weaknesses were as a friend or as a person or as a social companion. And I was nervous. I thought that everybody that I met was the coolest person in the whole world and they would never want to talk to someone like me. And at UT, maybe it's just the culture there, but I was never really able to like grow into myself and really develop my point of view per se or you know, develop, like, I didn't know who I was. So I drop out of UT uh, about, a, about two years now, because we're nearing December, but it was about two years ago. And I just worked at fucking Macy's for a year and a half. And I was fucking, you know, and I was interacting with adults on a daily basis. And I was, you know, talking, I had a boss for over a year and a half. And this was all that I thought about every day for like a year and a half was like adult kind of stuff. And I was, you know, working the customer service desk at a Macy's. You're interacting with grownups. You're interacting with people who hate you. You're interacting with people who love you. You know, you're forming different relationships. You're dealing with every type of difficult person in the entire world. I think there has been nothing more important in my development, at least as a person, than that job. I learned how to deal with every single type of difficult person who was like not even my age. They were grownups. I learned how to deal with kids. I learned how to deal with people with kids. I learned how to deal with people with too many kids who were stressed out of their mind. And I learned how to call, how to diffuse any situation. I learned how to bring energy. I learned how to take away energy. I have more, I guess, kind of mindless instincts in my toolbox now than I ever have in my life. When I'm in any social situation now, do I, I mean, I, I'm just not nervous. And I don't know if this is something anyone else care, you know, has ever dealt with or you know, struggled with like I did, but I, I just, I'm not worried about anything because if someone's mean to me, I now, you know, if someone's mean to me now, I realize it's not me that caused you to be mad. It's something else in your life. It's something else that's kind of bugging you. It's not anything that I did. All that I did was fucking stand here. You came to my work and you brought the attitude to me, but I know for a fact that I've been behind this desk the last six hours so no, I did not do anything to offend you. And that's just kind of the, the point of view that I think that most people need to bring to like their whole life, like seriously. Like when you get into a difficult situation or when you go to a party and you're worried that people are going to be mean to you or you're wor not, okay, that sounds like I'm in fucking third grade. When you're in a social situation um, of any type and you're worried that people aren't going to accept you or they're going to reject you, it's so important to keep in mind that that has nothing to do with you whatsoever. Like if you're in any, if you're talking to somebody and the conversation isn't going well, that's not your fault. 
they're just not meant to be someone you have this great conversation with. Um, if you're, if you're failing with, you know, at work, that has nothing to do with you. If you're not doing a good job at work, you weren't trained well. Now, if you know that you didn't put in the time and the effort and you're like, okay, I'm actually intentionally being bad at this job. That's one thing. But if you're failing at something, all of that means is that you just don't know how to do it yet. You're learning how to do something. Every failure that you have is just you learning something that you're not good at or you didn't really try at it anyways. And that might just, okay, the didn't try to think at it anyways only applies to specific stuff. It doesn't apply to your schoolwork. Okay, don't tell yourself that you're smart. I just don't try at it because that's like the worst way to go about your life. At your job, if it's a career job and you're not good at it, you can't tell yourself it's just because I'm not smart. It's like, okay, well, I learned what I'm bad at. Or you can't tell yourself that you're not trying, like you're good at it, but you're not trying hard. It's so much better to just tell yourself like, oh, I'm bad at this. And that's great that I'm bad at this because that means that it's something I'm going to improve over time. I'm going to improve when I work at it. You need to be, you need to come at every single type of adversity from a place of accepting the adversity and then just go, you know, rolling with it. Don't let the adversity kind of slow you down. I guess that's more so my point actually is that when, if you, if you find out that you're bad at something, don't let it dissuade you from anything. Like socially, if someone's rejecting you socially or you're not having a good conversation with someone at a social gathering, them not connecting with you doesn't mean that you can't connect with anyone there. Um, so you can just move on from the negative interaction and go to a, and just keep looking for one that'll be good for you. You're, you got to go into every single thing that you do saying, I'm doing this for me. How do I make this work for me? Uh, if it's not working for me right now, then I can just change my situation. I can just go to a better one. And if everyone there fucking doesn't, you know, doesn't vibe with you, that's not your fault. That's their fault. Or that's the universe's fault for putting you in a, for, you know, for your brains not synced, being synced up that way. But your gang is out there somewhere and you can, you'll find them eventually. And if you don't find them on that one Friday, that has nothing to do with you. That has to do with the situation. And you can't be one of those people who, if you're not vibing with anyone the party, you just shut down. That's not, that's not a, a place where you can be. You just have to keep being yourself and just advertising yourself everywhere. And that might be one of the reasons why I'm succeeding so well right now is I have things to advertise. I was, you know, I'm good at my job. I'm good at my career. I'm proud of my major. I'm proud of the work that I do with my major. I have something kind of to fall back on where if like, oh, well, fucking Keith over here isn't going to talk to me. Well, fuck him. Like he thinks he's all that, but I'm this. So that's something to think about. You just need to find something in your life that you're proud of, I guess, and just kind of advertise that. And if you're not good, if you're not, you know, happy with your job, if you're not happy with your friendships or whatever, just be happy that you're you. Be happy that you're different. Being different does not mean that you're not welcome in certain spaces. Being different just means that you need to like kind of walk around and just be yourself. Being different just means that you get to, you get like the honor of being yourself without having to like worry about conforming to other rules or other systems. Uh, and that's going to sound a little bit too like, Oh, look who did fucking mushrooms two weeks ago. And now all of a sudden he's Mr. Philosopher. That's not it at all. I'm, I'm just saying that being accepting of yourself is a choice and yes, it's difficult, but the first way to do that is to just 
talk to yourself nicely and just stop giving a, you know, an F word about what other people think about you. That is literally the only thing that I've changed since two years ago and now, because when I was working at the customer service desk, if I cared what every customer thought of me, I would have killed myself. Like literally I would have unalived myself because every single customer had a different opinion of me and I would have, you know, some days if like three bad customers in a row had a bad opinion of me, then I would have to internalize that. But no, I, I knew who I was and I knew that they weren't directing that directly at me. So yeah, just the way to accept yourself is just to stop caring. Um, but yeah, but that's where I'm at right now is I'm just really, really comfortable with myself. And some people might say that I'm a little bit cocky, but who cares if you're cocky? People who are people who think that you're cocky are just people who don't get, you know, who don't understand you. And that's not your audience anyways. There's only like maybe three people on the planet who really understand me. One person who really, really understands me. I'm fine with that. I don't care. I mean, of course, if I'm trying to grow this podcast, I probably want more people to understand me. But I mean, I'll, we'll figure that, you know, we'll get to know each other over time. This isn't like a one day thing. So I just kind of wanted to throw that in at the end there. And I don't know if I'm going to put this before my final send off or if I'm going to put this maybe at the beginning or maybe after my final send off. Um, but that's something that I think a lot of people need to, I need to like focus on right now is kind of not putting a shell on themselves because you need to be open with the world, but being able to kind of cocoon your feelings and cocoon like your self image to where it is just you who are affecting those things. If something, if someone else tries to affect one of those things, you need to build up that shield in a way where you can say, oh, wow, he tried to say that I'm annoying. Well, that's not really a me problem. That's kind of a him problem because he's the one who thinks I'm annoying. I know that I have friends who don't think I'm annoying. So I know that I'm not annoying. So I don't really, it doesn't really matter what he says or what they say. Oh, this person says that I'm a, now if someone says you're a bad listener or like you're a bad friend, maybe take some time to self-evaluate. But if someone says like, oh, you know, oh, have you thought about cutting your hair? I don't think it looks that good. Your hair isn't for them. Your hair is for you. Your hair is for the people that will like that understand you, that understand what the hair is about and they're going to appreciate it. And that's kind of a weak example, I guess. But that's just the way that you need to approach life. Otherwise, you're going to be in a fucking state of panic at all times. And that's kind of the stuff that I, I stopped giving a shit about. I used to care about what people thought about my clothes. I used to care about what people thought about, you know, how I walked, how I looked when I was sitting in class. Who cares? Everyone's judging everyone. When I'm sitting in my class, if I see someone with their head down, I literally think I'm like, you're a, I'm like, who's this joke over here? But guess what? They're doing them. They don't care what I think. If they cared what I thought, they wouldn't have their head down. So I kind of respect that in a way. People who just really are just doing themselves. I mean, I wear a chain now. I used, I would have, I, I always have made in my, for my whole life have made fun of people who wore chains, but guess what? I don't care. They don't care what I think. So I don't care what they think. So I'm going to fucking wear a chain. Cause I think it looks sick. My friends think it's funny slash also probably think it looks good. That's all that matters to me. That's all that should matter to anyone. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't think my crush likes me. You can't control that. You have no control over stuff like that. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I don't think this person likes me. You can't worry about that because that's out of your control. I know you want these people to care about you and to like you. I have the, I mean, I have a million people like that in my life that I wish they liked me more or I wish they, you know, we were closer, but it's not. You, if it's about that for you, then you're never going to get there. You need to have this kind of, what's it called? Sexy indifference would be the best way to call it. Where the only way to get people to really like you is for you to not 
need their approval. There is nothing more attractive than someone who does their own thing and doesn't care about what other people think. When people ask me, are we friends? My immediate answer wants to be no. Like, <laughs> and maybe I'm just the asshole, but people who are, who give off like a feeling of desperation, I, I, it's harder to connect with them because you want to, you always want to connect with people who are stronger than you or as strong as you. And when people are like texting you, like we're best friends, right? Like blah, blah, blah. Like, do you like, like, you know, like, you know, I'm like your best friend probably. Right. And that's been me. And that still is me all the time, but no one responds well to that. If you know, if you talk to someone and they're not always available, that's a sign of strength. People who have their own lives come off as more attractive and are more appealing to be as like part as like to interact with because people want to like add more lives to theirs, not add people who don't really have anything else going on. So that's something that I think I'm str- I'm one of my strengths is right now is I do have a shit ton going on. So when people talk to me, I like, I have my own life. If someone disrespects me or if someone like blows me off or flakes on me, I can tell myself like, well, it sucks. They did that. But also, you know, that's kind of on them. Like I have a, I have a life going on right now. If they don't want to be a part of it tonight, or if they don't want to be a part of it right the second, that's not really a me problem. I have other stuff to worry about. Um, so a big thing that just, I'm going to end on that. Um, and then we'll, and then I'll go home, but America has an issue where people aren't secure enough in their own lives that they have going on. They care too much about other people and you know, what else is going on here? What's going on there? What, you know, who, what are they doing? Oh my God. I saw on their Instagram story. They were at this party. Whatever your life is right now is sick. Like if you're just not faking it as much as other people are, that's fine. That's not the biggest deal in the world. So keep doing you keep being strong and just don't worry about what the fuck other people think. Cause everyone else is so fucking lame that it's not even worth your time to worry about it. Okay. You're the coolest person that you know. That's at least what I tell myself. Um, that's why I try and tell my friends too, is to think, you know, not just not be so fucking desperate. Anyway, sexy indifference is the big, uh, big ending monologue to that one. And then I'll probably cut this, but if this is going to be either at the, after the ending or it's going to be before the ending, um, I'm not sure how it wraps up to the ending, but if it's after the ending, then you've already heard all the other shit. So I can just leave. All right. Thank you again. All right. So we're going to move on and we're going to actually go into a couple of other things about my mind. There's one more topic left. That one's going to be really short. Cause I don't really love that one. This whole podcast might be under an hour and 15. My first one was two hours, but I was kind of breaking down a lot of stuff and kind of going deep on some things I didn't need to. And a lot of this stuff's going to get cut anyway. So this might be under an hour. So I know that mask mandates are kind of ending. So this is a little bit of a dated thing to get into, but, uh, and this might be really specific to me. Um, and if it is just kind of roll with it here, but masks have kind of changed the way that we've looked at the freaky kids in class, right? Like this might be a more high school thing. I don't really think about it as much in college, but if you saw a kid wearing, you know, baggy jeans and, you know, a dark, black sweatshirt and it's like 900 degrees outside and they just always wear that when you see that kid like walk into a walk into a building slam his backpack on the ground and then quickly like rifle through it you're kind of looking for a place to take cover i'm not saying i didn't say that that's gonna get you know that was cut but there's certain people where if you see them throw their backpack on the ground really quickly start rifling through it reaching in moving stuff and they like and they pull something out really fast 
there's some kids out there that you think it's going to be a, you know, a, you know what, it's going to be a, one of those bang, bang, you know, things. But no, nowadays they're just pulling a mask out. They're just doing their, they're pulling a mask out because they need it quickly and they're, they're not pulling a gun out. I think that that's kind of a, that's an interesting development for sure. It's made it a lot harder. Uh, I think, or it's not made it harder, but I think it's lessened our instincts a little bit because now that mass mandates are going on, we're going to see a kid do that and it's not going to be a mass next time. So our instincts, we need to sharpen them back up because uh, we've been letting those slide a little bit. Cause that's even me as I like, I walk into a building, I slam my backpack on the ground, start rifling through it. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, am I about to, you know, am I about to go postal in this, you know, in this science building? <laughs> but I'm always just pulling out a mask too. So that's something to think about. Um, this one, this one's kind of whatever, but I think that the two things that are kind of similar that shouldn't be is trying really, really hard to be quiet and being really, really high. Um, cause when you're trying to be quiet, you know, you'll reach really slowly and pick something up and then you'll set it down. But then like, even though you're trying to be really, really quiet, you're, it'll slip out of your hand a little bit and then it'll kind of like bang on the table. I don't know if you guys heard that, but I just did that on my water bottle or, you know, you're trying to like be really quiet with the microwave. So you like barely push the button or you barely pull the handle open and then you're like push the buttons and you're, you're very slowly like kind of pushing all the buttons. And every time it makes that beep sound, you just cringe and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, that's way too loud. That's way too loud. Uh, and that's the same thing when you're high because <laughs> you're reaching over and you're like, okay, I got to like grab this. Maybe it's trying, maybe it's like trying to, maybe it's about being high. Like when you're around like people that don't know you're high, I think that's probably the better comp because you're reaching over and you're like, okay, I'm going to drink this glass of water super normally. And then you reach over and you grab the glass of water and then like you kind of forget to pick it up. So you kind of slide it halfway across the table towards you. And then you just kind of pick it like you pick it up like 90 degree angle and then you like move it straight towards your mouth and you take a sip of it and then you just kind of like set it down like as soft as possible. So being quiet and being high are like cousins. They're kind of like related to each other. It's not the same thing, but it's kind of, <laughs> they kind of like give off the same vibe in a way. Uh, anyway, we'll just move on because that's something I can work on later. Um, another thing, historians or people that are maybe history majors or people who flex a lot about their knowledge of history or even people who don't flex it. But if, have you noticed that when people butt in with their knowledge of something historical, like if you're playing like a samurai video game, or if you're playing, a, or if you're talking about like medieval times, or you're talking about, you know, like World War II, the guy who's the fucking Mr. History over here will always butt in and be like, oh, well, actually, you know, Hitler was mentally ill, or like actually, you know, this type of airplane was produced way more than the Spitfire. Like people think that the Spitfire was the biggest plane of World War II. It wasn't. It was actually the blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh my God, that's awesome. Like what about that plane made it so effective in the war? And they go, well, uh, 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 I don't know. Uh, well, I don't really know about that. And you're like, okay, well, thanks for sharing your fucking Spitfire knowledge, but then actually not knowing anything about the fucking plane you're talking about. Like why even share that? Like, are you, you just, you just know that one fun fact and you just felt like you had to tell everyone. Oh, well, you know, actually if Hitler did this, then they probably would have won the war. It's like, oh my God, that's awesome. Like, so what did they do differently that like, like what, you know, like what did they do instead that really kind of fucked them? Uh, well, 
they tried to invade Russia in the winter. Okay, wow, that's really that. Yeah, that that sounds really awful. Like, you know, what about the other theaters? Like, what about the Western theater? Um, I know that was like Japan, but um, you know, like what other stuff could he have done? And I'm making my, you know, I'm, I come off as the asshole here because who, pre- you know, who's like, you know, now I'm being Mister like press you on all your info and like try and like poke holes. But you know what I'm talking about. There's situations where you kind of go into where you sound a lot less like an asshole than I just did. But you know, you, you like you, maybe you have a gen, like you're genuinely curious, like, Oh my God, that's so sick. Like what else about that? Do you know? And then they don't know anything. Uh, so I think that historians need to shut the fuck up. I also think that being a historian should be a part-time job. And I think that's, I think that it's fucking crazy that there's people out there who are like, their, their life, like their goal is to like graduate with an undergraduate degree in history. And then that's just it. They're like, okay, fuck, I'm just gonna be a history guy. Like, dude, like there's people who read history books in their free time and they probably remember more of the history than you do because they're not learning it so fucking, they're not learning so much. Like knowing history is kind of like a fun hobby, but as a job, like, do we really need people going around always trying to, like, figure history shit out? Like, no. Like, if you discover something, write it down and then do something else. I mean, there are people who, like, write books on history. And at that point, like, you're not really adding a whole lot. Like, you're really more of an author than you are, like, a historian. I don't know if I really broke that down very well. I don't <laughs> That might. That's probably not going to be a super popular one. Because, you know, being a history teacher, I guess, is a full-time job. But also, do you know, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. But I, I'm, I, you know, I don't really think that's... I think that learning history is important, but I don't think that people who are historians deserve as much respect as they, you know, require of themselves. Can you tell that I've offended a historian recently and they did not take it very well? They took it the first way. They played the victim card. Um, anyways, that was kind of, that was a little bit random. All right, final topic, and then we're going to wrap up here. We're just now hitting the hour mark of the rough cut. But anyway, let's get, let's get into it. This is something that I've heard a lot recently, and I, th- I mean, everyone's heard it all their life. It's not the biggest shock in the world, but the statement of, the only way to succeed at something is to buy in like a hundred percent. Like you have to be completely laser focused at the task at hand in order to succeed at it. I, I think there's a way to push back on that a little bit. Um, I mean, that makes sense for a couple of, you know, that makes sense. And like, as a general blanket statement, like, yeah, if you're going to try and do something, you should probably try and do it to the best of your ability. I don't know. I'm a journalist. I loved being a journalist. I do do it 110%. I cover stories. You know, I'm always looking for something to talk about. But I can do other stuff. I mean, I'm sure there's, I know there's professions out there where you can't do other stuff, but it's like, it's, there's too many people out there who've exceeded, who've excelled at doing different things than just one thing, you know? All right, well, I'm probably going to cut the last like 55 minutes. I don't think I, I don't think today was really that great of a podcast. I don't know what you think, but today kind of seemed like a, uh, I said a lot, but I didn't really have anything to say kind of day. I, I think that, I think that I did. I think I had some points. 
but you know, I don't, I don't really think I said anything too profound. There might have been there might have been foul play. There might have been some foul play. There might have been some foreign substances involved that uh caused that that caused uh, the quality to lack. But I mean, I put in I put in all that I could, and I don't think it was bad quality. I just think it was just a kind of a chill day, you know, gave you a lot to think about. Um, all right. So that's going to wrap it up on the BBC show. Uh, episode three will probably air on Monday because I won't have, yeah, because I'll have time to record. So this week we did Monday and Friday release days. Um, might be kind of a good schedule. Give you something to taste on the weekend. My first one was two hours. So that kind of made sense. That might be what I do is I kind of go for the longer, the longer show on Monday. And since it's not about really time sensitive topics, typically you can kind of space it out throughout the week. Um, and then maybe Friday I'll have like a little bit of a shorter one, like maybe only an hour. Um, and it's just kind of me, you know, wrapping up the week, kind of breaking down, uh, some other topics I've been thinking about. Um, I'm sure next week, uh, next Friday, I might have a little bit more of a sports segment, but you know, I like to watch sports. I like to talk about specific sporting events and stuff like that, but if I'm not getting paid then I'm not really, you know, I'm not going to really go too deep into all that. I'd rather just talk about stuff that's been on my mind. Um, all right, so that's going to wrap up. Uh, this is officially going to be wrapping up uh, episode three, uh, episode two. So keep on coming. <laughs>